Hello, everyone. My name is Derek McNish. I am a professor at Michigan State University. And I am so happy to be back here. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, so <clears throat> let me tell you what this is. This is a one-hour abridged version of The Winter's Tale by William Shakespeare. Have, are you familiar with the story a little bit? Great. Um, so I'm going to have the cast introduce themselves, tell you who they are. And <clears throat> so we have nine actors. There are more than nine characters in this show. So they're playing multiple parts. They're going to tell you who they're playing. Hi, I'm Gabrielle Mack, and I play Leontes. Hi, I'm Lily, and I play Queen Hermione and Prince Florida. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm playing um, Queen Polixenes and the Lord to Leontes and the Mariner. Hi, I'm Emily Herman, and I'm playing the Shepherd's Son, Antigonus, and Dion. Hi, I'm Heidi. I'm actually a Howell High School alumni. <laughs> um, and I'll be playing um, Polina and the gentleman. <laughs> I'm Caitlin, and I'll be playing the shepherd and Mamilius. I'm Jacqueline. I'm playing Perdita, time officer and servant. I'm Wesley Harris. I'm playing Camillo and Cleomenes. I'm Sydney. I'm playing Autolycus and Amelia. So this is a staged reading, abridged version. Um, we are recording it, and we're going to put this online so that other high schools can enjoy this, other people can enjoy it, um, and you are our test audience. So feel free to respond. You don't have to be super quiet, right? You can react if something's funny, or I don't know, cry if it's sad. <laughs> Just um, feel free to respond as you, as you would, OK? So put your hands together, and welcome. Act One, Leontes Palace. Nine changes of the watery star hath been with the shepherd's note since we have left our throne without a burden. I multiply with one, we thank you, many thousands more that go before it. Stay your thanks a while and pay them when you part. Sir, that's tomorrow. One seven night longer. Very sooth, tomorrow. We'll part the time betweens, then and in that I'll no gainsaying. Press me not, beseech you so. There's no tongue that moves, none, none in the world, so soon as yours could win me. Tongue tied, our queen, speak you. Yet of your royal presence, I'll adventure the borrow of a week. When at Bohemia you take my lord, I'll give him my commission to let him there a month beyond the just prefix for parting. Yet, good deed, Leontes, I love thee not a Jar, o' oh, the clock behind what lady she her lord. You'll stay? No, madam. Nay, but you will. I may not, verily. Verily? You shall not go. A lady's verily is as potent as a lord's. Will you go yet? Force me to keep you as a prisoner and not like a guest, so you shall pay your fees when you part and save your thanks. How say you? My prisoner or my guest? By your dreaded verily, one of them you shall be. Your guest then, madame. Not your jailer then, but your kind hostess. Come, I'll question you of my lord's tricks and yours when you were boys. You were pretty lordings then. <laughs> we were, fair queen, two lads that thought they were no more behind but such a day tomorrow as today, and to be boy eternal. Was my lord not the verier wag of the two? <laughs> we were as twinned lambs that did frisk in the sun and bleat at one another. What we changed was innocence for innocence. We knew not the doctrine of ill-doing, nor dreamed that any did. Had we pursued that life, 
our, and our weak spirits ne'er been reared higher with stronger blood, we should have answered heaven boldly, not guilty, the imposition clear, hereditary ours. Grace to boot, of this make no conclusion, lest you say your queen and I are devils. Yet, go on, the offenses we have made you do will answer. If first you sinned with us, and that with us you did continue fault, and that you slipped not with any, but with us. Is he one yet? He'll stay, my lord. At my request, he would not. Hermione, my dearest, thou never spokest to better purpose. Never? Never but once. Why, that was when three gravid months had soured themselves to death. Ere I could make thee open thy white hand and clap thyself my love, then didst thou utter, I am yours forever. Tis grace indeed. Why, lo you now, I have spoke the, to the purpose twice. The one forever earned a royal husband, the other for some while a friend. Too hot. Too hot. To mingle friendship far is mingling bloods. I have tremor cordis on me, my heart dances, but not for joy, not joy. Mamilius, art thou my boy? Ay, my good lord. How now, you wanton calf? Art thou my calf? Yes, if you will, my lord. Thou wants a rough cash and the shoots that I have to be full like me. Yet they say we were almost as like as eggs. Women say so. That will say anything. What means Cecilia? He seems something unsettled. How, my lord? What cheer? How is it with you, best brother? You look as if you held a brow of much distraction. Are you moved, my lord? No, in good earnest. Looking on the lines of my boy's face, methoughts I did require twenty-three years. How like methought, I then was to this colonel, this squash, this gentleman. My brother, are you so fond of your young prince as we do seem of ours? If at home, sir, he's all my exercise, my mirth, my matter, now my sworn friend, and then mine enemy, my parasite, my soldier, statesman, all. He makes a July's day short as December, and with his varying childness cures me in thoughts that would thick my blood. So stands this squire office with me. We two will walk, my lord, and leave you to your graver steps. Hermione, how thou lovest us shown our brother's welcome. Let what is dear in Sicily be cheap. Next to thyself and my young rover, he's a parent to my heart. If you would seek us, we are yours in the garden. Shalls attend you there? To your own bents dispose you. You'll be found, be you beneath the sky. <sighs> I am angling now. Though you perceive me not how I give line, go to, go to. How she holds up the nab, the bill to him, and her arms with the boldness of a wife to her allowing husband. Gone already, go play, boy, play. Thy mother plays, and I play too, but so disgraced apart, whose issue will hiss me to my grave. There have been, or I am much deceived, cuckolds there now, and many a man there is, even at this present. Now will I speak this, holds his wife by the arm, that little she thinks has been sluiced in his absence. How now, boy? I am like you, they say. Why, that's some comfort. What, Camillo there? Aye, my good lord. Go play, Mamilius. Thou art an honest man. Camillo, this great sir will yet stay longer. You had much ado to make his anchor hold. When you cast out, it still came home. Didst note it? He would not stay at your petitions. Made his business more material. Didst perceive it? How came it, Camillo, that he did stay? At the good queen's entreaty. Was this taken by any understanding pate but thine? 
Lower messes perchance are to this business purblind? Say. Business, my lord? I think most understand Bohemia stays here longer. Huh? Stays here longer? Aye, but why? To satisfy your highness and the entreaties of our most gracious mistress. Satisfy? The entreaties of your mistress satisfy? Let that suffice. I have trusted thee, Camillo, with all the nearest things to my heart, as well my chamber counsels, wherein priest-like thou hast cleansed my bosom. I from thee departed thy penitent reformed. But we have been deceived in thy integrity, deceived in that which seems so. Be it forbid, my lord. To buy upon it, thou art not honest. Or if thou inclinest that way, thou art a coward. My wife is slippery? Say it and justify it. I would not be a stander by to hear my sovereign mistress clouded so without my present vengeance taken. True, my heart, you never spoke what did become you less than this, which to reiterate were sin as deep as that, though true. Is whispering nothing? Is leaning cheek to cheek? Is meeting noses? Kissing with inside lip, skulking in corners, is this nothing? Why? Then the world and all that's in it is nothing. The covering sky is nothing, Bohemia nothing, my wife is nothing, nor nothing have these nothings, if this be nothing. Good, my lord, be cured of this diseased opinion, and betimes, for tis most dangerous. Say it be, tis true. No, no, my lord. It is, you lie, you lie. I say thou liest, Camillo, and I hate thee. Pronounce thee a gross lout. Were my wife's liver infected as her life, she would not live the running of one glass. Who does infect her? Why, he that wears her like her metal, hanging about his neck, Bohemia! I and thou, his cupbearer, mightest bespice a cup to give mine enemy a lasting wink, which draft to me were cordial. Sir, my lord, I could do this, and that with no rash potion, but with a lingering dram that should not work maliciously like poison. But I cannot believe this crack to be in my dread mistress, so sovereignly being honorable. <laughs> I have loved Make thee. that thy question and go rot. Dost think I am so muddy, so unsettled to appoint myself in this vexation? Sully the purity and whiteness of my sheets. Give scandal to the blood o' the prince, my son, who I do think is mine and love is mine, without right moving to it. Would I do this? I must believe you, sir. I do, and will fetch off Bohemia for it, provided that, when he's removed, your highness will take again your queen as yours at first even for your son's sake, and thereby for sealing the injury of tongues in courts and kingdoms known and allied to yours. Thou dost advise me, even so as mine own course have set down. I'll give no blemish to her honor, none. My lord, go then, and with a countenance as clear as friendship wears at feasts, keep with Bohemia and with your queen. I am his cupbearer. If from me he have wholesome beverage, account me not your servant. This is all. Do it, and thou hast the one half of my heart. Do it not, thou splittest thine own. I'll do it, my lord. I will seem friendly, as thou hast advised me. Oh, miserable lady! But for me, what case stand I in? I must be the poisoner of good Polixenes. If I could find example of thousands that had struck anointed kings and flourished after, I'd not do it. I must forsake the court. To do it or no is certain to me a breakneck. Happy star reign now. Here comes Bohemia. This is strange. Methinks my favor here begins to warp. Good day, Camillo. Hail, most royal sir. What is the news in the court? None rare, my lord. The king hath on him such a countenance as he had lost some province and a region loved as he loves himself. I dare not know, my lord. 
How dare not? Do not? Do you know and dare not? There is a sickness which puts some of us in distemper, but I cannot name the disease, and it is caught of you that yet are well. How caught of me? I may not answer. A sickness caught of me, and yet I well? I must be answered. Dost thou hear, Camillo? I am appointed him to murder you. By whom, Camillo? By the king. For what? He thinks, nay, with all confidence, he swears, as he had seen it or been an instrument to vice you to it, that you have touched his queen forbiddenly. How should this grow? I know not, but I'm sure tis safer to avoid what's grown than question how tis born. If therefore you dare trust my honesty that lies enclosed in this trunk, which you shall bear along in pond, away tonight. Your followers I will whisper to the business and will by twos and threes at several posterns clear them of the city. For myself, I'll put my fortunes to your service, which are here by this discovery lost. I do believe thee. I saw his heart in his face. Give me thy hand. Be pilot to me, and thy places shall still neighbor mine. My ships are ready, and my people did expect, expect my hence departure two days ago. This jealousy is for a precious creature. Come, Camillo, I will respect thee as a father if thou bearest my life off hence. Let us avoid. It is in mine authority to command the keys of all the posterns. <coughs> Please, your highness, to take the urgent hour. Come, sir, away. Act two, still in Leontes' palace. Was he met here? His train, Camilla, with him? Behind the tuft of pines, I met them. Never saw I men scour so on their way. I eyed them even to their ships. How blessed am I in my just censure, in my true opinion. How accursed in being so blessed. Camilla was his help in this, his pander. There is a plot against my life, my crown. All's true that is mistrusted. That false villain who I'm employed was pre-employed by him. How came the postern so easily open? By his great authority, which often hath no less prevailed than so on your command. I know it too well. Give me the boy. I am glad you did not nurse him. Though he bears some sign of me, yet you have too much blood in him. What is this sport? Bear the boy hence. He shall not come about her. Away with him, and let her sport herself with that she's big with. For tis Polixenes has made thee swell thus. But I'd say he had not, and I'll be sworn you would believe my saying, however you lean the nayward. You, my lords, look on her well. Mark her well. She's an adulteress. You, my lord, do but mistake. You have mistook my lady Polixenes for Leontes. Oh, thou thing, I have said she's an adulteress. I have said with whom. More, she's a traitor, and Camillo is a federary with her. I and privy to this their late landscape. Away with her to prison. He who shall speak for her is a far-off guilty, but that he speaks. Go, do our bidding, hence. I have dispatched in post to sacred Delphos, to Apollo's temple, Cleomenes and Dion, whom you know of stuff sufficiency. Now from the oracle they will bring all, whose spiritual counsel had shall stop or spur me. Have I done well? Well done, my lord. Though I am satisfied and need no more than what I know, yet shall the oracle give rest to the minds of others such as he whose most ignorant credulity will not come up with the truth. Dear gentlewoman, how fares our gracious lady, as well as one so great and so forlorn may hold together, on her frights and greets, griefs which never tender lady hath borne greater, she is something before her time delivered. A boy? A daughter, and a goodly babe, lusty and like to live. 
The queen receives much comfort in it, says, My poor prisoner, I am innocent as you. I dare be sworn. These dangerous, unsafe loons in the king, beshrew them. He must be told on it, and he shall. The office becomes a woman best. I'll take it upon me, if she dares trust me with her little babe. I'll show it to the king and undertake to be her advocate to the loudest. We do not know how he may soften at the sight of the child. Most worthy madam, I'll presently acquaint the queen of your most noble offer, who but today hammered of this design, but durst not tempt a minister of honor, lest she should be denied. Tell her, Amelia, I'll use that tongue I have. If wit flow from it as boldness from my bosom, let it not be doubted I shall do good. Now be you blessed for it. I'll to the queen. Leontes' bedroom, 23 days later. Nor night, nor day, no rest. If the cause were not in being part of the cause, she the adulteress, for the harlot king is quite beyond mine arm. But she I can hook to me. Say that she were gone, given to the fire, a moiety of my rest might come again. Who's there? My lord. How does the boy? He took good rest tonight. Tis hoped his sickness is discharged. To see his nobleness, conceiving the dishonor of his mother, he straight declined, drooped, took it deeply, fastened and fixed the shame on it himself, threw off his spirit, his appetite, his sleep, and downright languished. Leave me solely. Go, see how he fares. Madam, he hath not slept tonight. Not so hot, good sir. What noise there, ho? No noise, my lord, but needful conference about some gossips for your highness. How? Away with that audacious lady. Antigonus, I charged thee that she should not come about me. I knew she would. I told her so, my lord, on your displeasure's peril and on mine. She should not visit you. What? Canst not rule her? Good, my liege, I come, and I beseech you hear me. Who professes myself your loyal servant, your physician, your most obedient counselor? I say I come from your good queen. <laughs> good queen? Good queen, my lord, good queen. I say good queen and would by combat make her good. So were I a man, the worst about you. Force her hence. Let him that makes but trifles of his eyes first hand me. On my own accord I'll off, but first I'll do my errand. The good queen, for she is good, hath brought you forth a daughter. Here tis, commends it to your blessing. Out, a mankind witch, hence with her out o' door. This brat is none of mine. This is an issue of Polixenes. Hence with it, and together with the dam, commit them to the fire. It is yours. Behold, my lords, although the print be little, the whole matter and copy of the father, eye, nose, lip, the very mold and frame of hand, nail, and finger. On your allegiance, out of the chamber with her. I pray you do not push me. I'll be gone. Look to your babe, my lord, tis yours. Thou, traitor, hast set on thy wife to this. My child, away with it. Even thou that hast a heart so tender over it, take it hence, and see it instantly consumed with fire. Go, take it to the fire, for thou settest on thy wife. I did not, sir. What, will you adventure to save this brat's life? Anything, my lord, upon the little blood which I have left to save the innocent. Anything possible. It shall be possible. Swear by this sword thou wilt perform my bidding. I will, my lord. Mark and perform it, seest thou, for the fail of any point in it shall not only be death to thyself, but to thy lewd-tongued wife, whom, for this time we pardon, 
we enjoin thee, as thou art liegeman to us, that thou carry this female bastard hence, and that thou bear it to some remote and desert place quite out of our dominions, and that there thou leave it, without more mercy to its own protection and favor of the climate. I swear to do this, though a present death had been more merciful. Come on, poor babe. No, I'll not wear another's issue. Please, your highness, posts from those you sent to the oracle are come an hour since. Cleomenes and Dion, being well arrived from Delipos, are both landed hasting to the court. So please you, sir, their speed hath been beyond account. Twenty-three days they have been absent. Tis good speed foretells the great Apollo suddenly will have the truth of this appear. Prepare you, lords. Summon a session that we may arraign our most disloyal lady. For as she hath been publicly accused, so shall she have a just and open trial. While she lives, my heart will be a burden to me. Leave me and think upon my bidding. Act Three: Hermione's Trial at Leontes Palace. Produce the prisoner. It is His Highness's pleasure that the Queen appear in person here in court. Silence. Read the indictment. Hermione, Queen to the worthy Leontes, King of Sicilia, thou art here accused and arraigned of high treason in committing adultery with Polixenes, King of Bohemia, and conspiring with Camillo to take away the life of our sovereign lord the king, thy royal husband. The pretense whereof being by circumstances partly laid open, thou, Hermione, contrary to the faith and allegiance of a true subject, didst counsel and aid them for their better safety to fly away by night. If powers divine behold our human actions as they do, I doubt not then, but innocence shall make false accusation blush and tyranny tremble at patience. You, my lord, best know whom least will seem to do so. My past life hath been as continent, as chaste, as true, as I am now unhappy. Now, my liege, tell me what blessings I have here alive, that I should fear to die. Therefore, proceed. But yet hear this. If I shall be condemned upon surmises, all proofs sleeping else but what your jealousies awake, I tell you, tis rigor and not law. Your honors all. I do refer me to the oracle. Apollo be my judge. This your request is altogether just. Therefore bring forth, and in Apollo's name, his oracle. Break up the seals and read. Hermione is chaste. Polixenes blameless. Camillo a true subject. Leontes a jealous tyrant. His innocent babe truly begotten. And the king shall live without an heir if that which is lost be not found. Now blessed be the great Apollo. Praised! Hast thou read truth? Aye, my lord, even so as it is here set down. There is no truth at all in the oracle. The session shall proceed. This is mere falsehood. My lord, the king, the king! What's this business? Oh, sir, I shall be hated to report it. The prince, your son, with mere conceit and fear of the queen's speed, is dead. Apollo's angry, and the heavens themselves do strike at my injustice. How now there? This news is mortal to the queen. Look down and see what death is doing. Take her hence. Her heart is but overcharged. She will recover. I have too much believed mine own suspicion. 
beseech you tenderly apply to her some remedies for life. Apollo, pardon my great profaneness against thine oracle. I'll reconcile with Polixenes. New woo, my queen, recall the good Camillo, whom I proclaim a man of truth, of mercy. Woe the while, oh, cut my lace, lest my heart cracking it break too. What fit is this, good lady? The queen, the queen, the sweetest, dearest creatures dead. But, O oh, thou tyrant, do not repent these things, for they are heavier than all thy woes can stir. Go on, go on. Thou canst not speak too much. I have deserved all tongues to talk their bitterest. Prithee, bring me to the dead bodies of my queen and son. One grave shall be for both. Upon them shall the causes of their death appear unto our same perpetual. Once a day I'll visit the chapel where they lie. And tears shed there should be my recreation. The Shores of Bohemia. Thou art perfect, then? Our ship hath touched upon the deserts of Bohemia? Aye, my lord, and fear we have landed in ill time. The skies look grimly, and they, th they threaten present blusters. In my conscience, the heavens with that we have in hand are angry and frown upon us. Go thou away. I'll follow instantly. Come, poor babe. The storm begins. Poor wretch, that for thy mother's fault art thus exposed to loss, and what may follow? A savage clamor. Well, may I get aboard? This is the chase. I'm gone forever. He exits, pursued by a bear. What have we here? Mercy's on a babe, a very pretty babe. Hello! What art so near? What alas, thou man? I have seen two such sights, by sea and by land. Now the ship boring the moon with her mainmast, and anon <coughs> swallowed with yeast and froth, as you thrust a cork into a hog's head. And then for the land service, to see how the bear tore out his shoulder bone, and how he cried to me for help, and said his name was Antigonus, a nobleman. But to make an end of the ship, to see how the sea flap dragoned it, but first, how the poor souls roared, and the sea mocked them. And then, how the poor gentleman roared, and the bear mocked him, both roaring louder than the sea or weather. Name of mercy! When was this boy? Now, now! I have not winked since I saw these sights. The men are not yet cold under water, nor the bear hath dined on the gentleman. He's at it now. Heavy matters, heavy matters. But look thee here, boy, now bless thyself. Thou messest with things dying, I with things newborn. Here's a sight for thee, look thee, a bearing cloth for a squire's child. I was told me I should be rich by the fairies. Open it, what's within it, boy? Gold, <laughs> all gold. This is fairy gold, boy, and twill prove so. We are lucky, boy, and to be so still requires nothing but secrecy. Let my sheep go. Come, good boy, next way home. Go you the next way with your findings. I'll go see if the bear be gone from the gentleman and how much he hath eaten. If there be any left of him, I'll bury it. Bohemia, Act Four. Now take upon me, in the name of time, to use my wings. Impute it not a crime that I slide over sixteen years, your patience disallowing. I turn my glass and give my scene such growing as you had slept between. 
It is 15 years since I saw my country. Though I have, for the most part, been heir abroad, I desire to lay my bones there. As thou lovest me, Camilla, wipe not out the rest of thy services by leaving me now. Say to me, when sawest thou the Prince Florizel, my son? Sir, it is three days since I saw the Prince. What his happier affairs may be to me are unknown. But I have missingly noted he is of late much retired from court and is less frequent to his princely exercises than formerly he hath appeared. I have eyes under my service which look upon his removedness, from whom I have this intelligence, that he is seldom from the house of a most homely shepherd, a man, they say, that from very nothing and beyond the imagination of his neighbors is grown into an unspeakable estate. I have heard, sir, of such a man who hath a daughter of most rare note. The report of her is extended more than can be thought to begin from such a cottage. That's likewise part of my intelligence, but, I fear, the angle that plucks our son thither. Thou shalt accompany us to the place where we will, not appearing what we are, have some question with the shepherd. I willingly obey your command. My best, Camilla, we must disguise ourselves. <coughs> I have served Prince Florizel and in my time wore three pile, but now I am out of service. But shall I go mourn for that, my dear? The pale moon shines by night. And when I wander here and there, I then do ghosts go right. If tinkers may have leave to live and bear the skin budget, then my account I well may give. And in the stocks of it. My traffic is sheets. When the kite builds, look to lesser linen. My father named me Atolicus, who, being, as I am, littered under mercury, was likewise a snapper off a, up of unconsidered trifles. With dye and drab, I purchased this caparison, and my revenue is the silly cheat. Gallows and knock are too powerful on the highway. Beating and hangings are terror to me. For the life to come, I sleep out the thought of it. A prize, a prize. Let me see. Every eleven weather tods, every tod yields pounds and not shillings. Fifteen hundred shorn. What comes the wool to? If the spring hold, the cock's mine. I cannot do it without counters. Let me see. What am I to buy for our sheep shearing feast? Three pounds of sugar, five pounds of currants, Rice? What will this sister of mine do with rice? Oh, that I was ever born! I am robbed, sir, and beaten. My money and apparel taken from me, these detestable things put upon me. Oh, lend me thy hand, I'll help thee. You have done me a charitable office. Um, dost lack any money? I have little money for thee. No, good, sweet sir, no, I beseech you, sir. I have a kinsman not past three quarters of a mile hence, unto whom I was going. I shall there have money or anything I want. Offer me no money, I pray you, that kills my heart. What manner of fellow was he that robbed you? I knew him once a servant of the prince. I know this man well. So some call him Autolycus. Oh, out upon him, prig, for my life, prig. He haunts wakes, fairs, and fair baitings. Shall I bring thee on the way? No good face, sir, no sweet, sir. 
Then fare thee well. I must go buy spices for our sheep shearing. Prosper you, sweet sir. Your purse is not hot enough to purchase your spice. I'll be with you at your sheep shearing too. If I make not this sheep bring out another and the shearers prove sheep, let me be unrolled and my name be put in the book of virtue. Sir, my gracious lord, to chide at your extremes, it not becomes me. Oh, pardon that I name them. Your high self, the gracious mark of the land, you have obscured with a swain's wearing, and me, poor lowly maid, most goddess-like pranked up. Even now I tremble to think your father by some accident should pass this way as you did. What would he say? Or how should I in these my borrowed flaunts behold the sternness of his presence? Apprehend nothing but jollity, thou dearest Perdita. With these forced thoughts, I prithee, darken not the mirth of the feast, or I'll be thine, my fair, or not my father's. For I cannot be mine own, nor anything to any, if I be not thine. To this I am most constant. If destiny say no, be merry, gentle, strangle such thoughts as these with anything that beholds you the while. Your guests are coming. Lift up your countenance as if it were the day of celebration of that nuptial which we two have sworn shall come. Come, quench your blushes and present yourself, that which you are, mistress of the feast. Come on and bid us welcome to your sheep shearing and as your good flock shall prosper. Sir, welcome. It is my father's will that I should take on me the hostess ship of the day. Here's flowers for you. These are flowers of middle summer. And I think they are given to men of middle age. You're very welcome. Doricles, my fairest friend, I would I had some flowers of the spring that might become your time of day. <coughs> Daffodils that come before the swallow dares, lilies of all kinds, the flower de luce being one. Oh, these I lack to make you garlands of, and my sweet friend to strew him over and over. Come, our dance, I pray. Your hand, my Perdita. So turtles pair that are never meant to part. I'll swear for them. <laughs> this is the prettiest low-born lass that ever ran on the greensward. Nothing she does or seems but smacks of something greater than herself. Too noble for this place. He tells her something that makes her blood look out. Good sooth, she's the queen of curds and cream. Pray, good shepherd, what fair swain is this which dances with your daughter? They call him Doracles. He says he loves my daughter, and I think so too. For never gaze the moon upon the water as he'll stand and read. As twere my daughter's eyes, and to be plain, I think that there is not half a kiss to choose. Who loves another best? Is it not too far gone? Tis time to part them. He's simple and tells too much. How now, fair shepherd? Your heart is full of something that does take your mind from feasting. Oh, hear me breathe my life before this ancient sir. I take thy hand. What follows this? How prettily the young swain seems to wash the hand was fair before. I have put you out, but to your protestation, let me hear what you profess. Do, and be witness to it. And this, my neighbor, too? And he, and more than he, and men, the earth, the heavens, and all, that I were crowned the most imperial monarch, thereof most worthy, were I the fairest youth that ever made I swerve, had force and knowledge more than was ever man's, I would not prize them without her love. For her employ them all, commend them and condemn them to her service or to their own perdition. But my daughter, say you like to him? I cannot speak. 
So well. Nothing so well, no, nor mean better. By the pattern of mine own thoughts, I cut out the purity of his. Take hands a bargain, and friends unknown, you shall bear witness to it. To give, I give my daughter to him, and will make her portion equal his. Come, your hand, and daughter yours. Soft swain, a while, beseech you. Have you a father? I have, but what of him? Knows he of this? He neither does nor shall. Methinks a father is at the nuptial of his son a guest that best becomes the table. By my white beard you offer him, if this be so, a wrong, something unfilial. Reason my son should choose himself a wife. But as good reason the father, whose all joy is nothing else but fair posterity, should hold some counsel in such a business. I yield all this. But for some other reasons, my grave sir, which tis not fit for you to know, I not acquaint my father of this business. Let him know it. Come, come, he must not. Mark our contract. Mark your divorce, young sir, whom son I dare not call. Thou art too base to be acknowledged. For thee, fond boy, if I may ever know, thou dost but sigh that no more thou shalt see this neck, as never I mean thou shalt, will bar thee from secession. Follow us to the court. Will it please you, sir? Be gone. I told you what would come of this. Why, how now, father? Speak ere thou diest. I cannot speak, nor think, nor dare to know that which I know. O cursed wretch, that knewest this was the prince, and wouldest adventure to mingle faith with him? Undone, undone. If I might die within this hour, I have lived to die when I desire. Why look you so upon me? I am sorry, but not afeard. Delayed, but nothing altered. Gracious, my lord, you know your father's temper. At this time he will allow no speech, which I do guess you do not purpose to him. And as hardly will he endure your sight as yet, I fear. Then, till the fury of his highness settle, come not before him. I not purpose it. I think Camillo? Even he, my lord. How often have I told you twould be thus? How often said my dignity would last but till twere known? It cannot fail but by the violation of my faith. From my succession, wipe me, father. I am heir to my affection. This is desperate, sir. So call it. But it does fulfill my vow. Camillo, not for Bohemia will I break my oath to this my fair beloved. Therefore, I pray you, as you have ever been my father's honored friend, when he shall miss me, as in faith I mean not to see him any more, this you may know and so deliver. I am put to sea with her, who I cannot hold here on shore. Hark, Perdita, I'll hear you by and by. He's irremovable, resolved for flight. Now were I happy of his going, I foot frame to serve my turn. Save him from danger, do him love and honor. Purchase the sight again of dear Cecilia, and that unhappy king, my master, whom I so much thirst to see. Now, good Camillo, I am so fraught with curious business that I leave out ceremony. Sir... I think you have heard of my poor services and the love that I have borne your father. Very nobly have you deserved. It is my father's music to speak your deeds. Well, my lord, if you may please to think I love the king, and through him what's nearest to him, which is your gracious self, embrace but my direction. On mine honor, I'll point you where you shall, where you shall have such receiving, and shall become your highness, where you may enjoy your mistress and marry her. How, Camillo, may this, almost a miracle, be done that I may call thee something more than man, and after that trust to thee. Have you thought on a place where to you'll go? Not any yet. Then list to me. Make for Cecilia, and there present yourself and your fair princess, for so I see she must be for Leontes. 
She shall be habited as it becomes the partner of your bed. Methinks I see Leontes opening his free arms and weeping his welcomes forth. Asks thee the son forgiveness, as were I the father's person. Kisses the hands of your fresh princess. Worthy Camillo, what color for my visitation shall I hold up before him? Sent by the king your father to greet him and to give him comforts. Sir, the manner of your bearing towards him with you, with what you, as from your father, shall deliver, things known betwixt us three, I'll write you down. The witch shall point you forth at every sitting what you must say, that he shall not perceive but that you have your father's bosom there and speak his very heart. I am bound to you, my prettiest Perdita. But oh, the thorns we stand upon! Camillo, preserver of my father, now of me, the medicine of my house, how shall we do? We are not furnished like Bohemia's son, nor shall we appear in Cecilia. <coughs> my lord, fear none of this. I think you know my fortunes do all lie there. It shall be so my care to have you royally appointed as if the scene you play were mine. For instance, sir, that you may know th you shall not want one word. I have sold all my trumpery, no feeling but my sir song and admiring the nothing of it so that in this time of lethargy I picked and cut most of their festival purses. And had not the old man come in with a hubbub against his daughter and the king's son, I had not left a purse alive in the whole army. Who have we here? We'll make an instrument of this. Omit nothing. Make him a aid. If they have overheard me now, why, hanging. How now, good fellow? Why shakest thou so? Fear not, man. He's no here's no harm intended to thee. I am a poor fellow, sir. Why, be so still. Here's nobody will steal that from thee. Yet for the outside of thy poverty, we must make an exchange. Therefore, discase thee instantly. Thou must think there's a necessity in it and change garments with this gentleman. Are you in earnest, sir? I smell the trick on it. Dispatch, I prithee. Indeed, I have had earnest, but I cannot with conscience take it. Unbuckle, unbuckle. Fortunate mistress, let my prophecy come to you. You must retire, retire yourself into some covert. Take your sweetheart's hat. Muffle your face, pluck it over your brows. Have you done there? Should I now meet my father, he would not call me son. Nay, you shall have no hat. Come, lady, come. Farewell, my friend. Adieu, sir. What I do next shall be to tell the king of this escape and whither they are bound wherein my hope is I shall so prevail to force him after, in whose company I shall review Cecilia, for whose sight I have a woman's longing. Fortune speed us. Thus we set on, Camillo, to the seaside. The swifter speed, the better. I understand the business. I hear it. I see this is the time that the unjust man doth thrive. What an exchange this has been without boot. What a boot is here with this exchange. The prince himself self is about a piece of iniquity, stealing away from his father with his clog at his heels. I hold it the more knavery to conceal it, and therein I am constant to my profession. <coughs> see, see, what a man you are now! There is no other way but to tell the king she's a changeling, and none of your flesh and blood. She being none of your flesh and blood, your flesh and blood has not offended the king. And so your flesh and blood is not punished by him. Show those things you found about her, those secret things, all but what she has with her. This being done, let the law go whistle. I warrant you. I will tell the king all, 
every word, yea, and his son's pranks too, who I must say is no honest man, and neither to his father nor to me. Very wisely, puppies. How now, rustics? Whither are you bound? To the palace and like your worship. Your affairs there? We are but plain fellows, sir. A lie, you are rough and hairy. Let me have no lying. Are you a courtier, and like you, sir? Whether like me or no, I am a courtier. Receives not thy nose court odor from me? I command thee to open thy affairs. My business, sir, is to the king. This cannot be but a great courtier. His garments are rich, but he wears them not handsomely. The fardel there. What's in the fardel? Wherefore that box? Sir, there lie such secrets in this fardel and this box, which none must know but the king, and which he shall know within this hour if I may come to the speech of him. The king is not at the palace. He has gone aboard a new ship to purge melancholy and air himself, for if thou beest capable of things serious, thou must know the king is full of grief. So tis said, sir, about his son that should have married a shepherd's daughter. If that shepherd be not in handfast, let him fly. The curses he shall have, the tortures he shall feel, will break the back of man, the heart of monster. Think you so, sir? Some sh say he shall be stoned, but that death is too soft for him, say I. Has the old man e'er a son, sir? Do you hear and like you, sir? He has a son. You shall be flayed alive. But what talk of these traitorial rascals? Tell me, for you seem to be honest, plain men. Will you have to the king? Being something gently considered, I'll bring you where he is aboard. He seems to be of great authority. Close with him, give him gold. And though authority be a stubborn bear, yet he's oft led by the nose with gold. And remember, stoned and flayed alive. And please you, sir, to undertake this business for us. Here is that gold I have. I'll make it much more and leave this young man in pawn till I bring it to you. After I have done what I promised? Aye, sir. Well, give me the moiety. I will trust you. Walk before toward the seaside. Go on the right hand. I will but look upon the hedge and follow you. We are blessed in this man, as I may say, even blessed. I am courted now with a double occasion gold, and a means to do the prince my master good, which who knows how m that may turn back to my advancement. I'll bring these two moles, these blind ones, aboard to him. Act Five, Cecilia, Leontes Palace. Will you swear never to marry but by my free leave? Never, Paulina, so be blessed my spirit. Then, good my lords, bear witness to his oath. Yet if my lord will marry, if you will, sir, no remedy but you will, give me the office to choose you a queen. She shall not be so young as was your former. She shall be such as watch your first queen's ghost. It should take joy to see her in your arms. My true Paulina, we shall not marry till thou bidst us. That shall be when your first queen's again in breath, never till then. One that gives himself out, Prince Florzo, son of Polixenes, with his princess, she, the fairest I have yet beheld, desires access to your high presence. What with him? He comes not like to his father's greatness, his approach so odd of circumstance and sudden, tells us tis not a visitation framed. 
But forced by need and accident, what train? But few, and those but mean. Go, Cleomenes, yourself assisted with your honored friends, bring them to our embracement. Still, tis strange, he thus should steal upon us. Had our prince, jewel of children, seen this hour, he had fared well with this lord. There was not a full month between their births. Prithee, no more, cease. Thou knowest he dies to me again when talked of. They are come. Your mother was most true to wedlock, prince, for she print your royal father off conceiving you. Most dearly welcome, though bearing misery, I desire my life once more to look on him. By his command have I touched here in Cecilia, and from him give you all the greetings that a king, a friend, can send his brother. Oh, brother, good gentleman, the wrongs I have done thee stir afresh within me. Come hither, as is the spring to the earth. You have a holy father, a graceful gentleman, against whose person, so sacred as it is, I have done sin, for which the heavens, taking angry note, have left me issueless. When might I have been, might I a son and a daughter now have looked on such goodly things as you? Please you, great sir, Bohemia greets you from himself by me, desires you to attach his son, who has his dignity and duty both set off, fled from his father, from his hopes, and with a shepherd's daughter. Where's Bohemia? Speak. Here, in your city. I now came from him. I speak amazedly, and it becomes my marvel and my message. To your court, while he was hastening, in the chase, it seems, of this fair couple, meets he on the way the father of this seeming lady and her brother, having both their country quitted with this young prince. Camillo has betrayed me, whose honor and whose honesty till now endured all weathers. Lay it so to his charge. He's with the king, your father. Who? Camillo? Camillo, sir, I spake with him, who now has these poor men in question. Never saw I wretches so quake. Oh, my poor father, the heavens set spies upon us. We'll not have our contract celebrated. You are married? We are not, sir, nor are we like to be. The stars, I see, will kiss the valleys first. My lord, is this the daughter of a king? She is, when once she is my wife. At once, I see, by your good father's speed, will come on very slowly. I am sorry, most sorry, you have broken from his liking, where you were tied in duty, and as sorry your choice is not so rich in worth as beauty, that might well enjoy her. Beseech you, sir. Remember, since you owed no more time than I do now, with thought of such affections, step forth mine advocate. At your request, my father will grant precious things as trifles. Would he do so? I'd beg your precious mistress, which he counts but a trifle. Sir, my liege, your eye hath too much youth in it. Not a month for your queen died, she was more worth such gazes than what you look on now. I thought of her even in those looks I made. Your petition is yet unanswered. I will to your father. Your honor not overthrown by your desires, I am friends to them and you. Upon which errand I now go toward him. Therefore follow me, and mark what way I may make. Come, my good lord. Beseech you, sir, were you present at this relation? I heard the shepherd say he found the child. The oracle is fulfilled. The king's daughter is found. Has the king found <clears throat> his heir? That which you'll hear, you'll swear you see. There is such unity in the proofs. The mantle of Queen Hermione's, her jewel about the neck of it, the letters of Antigonus found with it, the majesty of the creature in resemblance of the mother, and many other evidences proclaim her with all certainty to be the king's daughter. 
What, pray you, became of Antigonus that carried hence the child? Like an old tale still, which will have matter to rehearse through credit to be asleep and not in ear open. He was torn to pieces by a bear. The princess, hearing of her mother's statue, which is in keeping of Paulina, a piece many years in doing. Shall we thither with our company and piece the rejoicings? You are well met, sir. You denied to fight me the other day because I was no gentleman born. See you these clothes? Say you see them and think me still no gentleman born. I know you are now, sir, a gentleman born. <laughs> so have I, boy. So you have. But I was a gentleman born before my father. For the king's son took me by the hand and called me brother. And then he took the two kings, the two kings took my father, called my father brother. And then the, my, the prince, my brother, and the princess, my sister, called my father father. And so we wept. And there was the first gentleman-like tears that we ever shed. I humbly beseech you, sir, to pardon me all the faults I have committed to your worship, and to give me your good report to the prince, my master. Pretty son, do, for we must be gentle now that we are gentlemen. Thou wilt amend thy life. Aye, and it like your good worship. Give me thy hand. I'll swear to the prince thou art as honest a true fellow as any in Bohemia. I will prove so, sir, to my power. Come, follow us. We'll be thy good masters. Paulina's home. Oh, Paulina. We honor you with trouble, but we came to see the statue of our queen. I keep it lonely apart, but here it is. Prepared to see the life as lively mocked as ever, still sleep mocked death. Behold and say tis well. I like your silence. It the more shows off your wonder. But yet speak, first you, my liege. Comes it not something near? Her natural posture! Chide me, dear stone, that I may say indeed thou art Hermione, or rather thou art she in thy not chiding, for she was as tender as infancy and grace. But yet, Paulina, Hermione was not so much wrinkled, nothing so aged as this seems. So much the more are Carver's excellence, which lets go by some sixteen years and makes her as she lived now. Lady, dear queen, that ended when I but began. Give me that hand of yours to kiss. Oh, patience. The statue is but newly fixed, the colors not dry. My lord, if I had thought the sight of my poor image would thus have wrought you, for the stone is mine, I'd not have showed it. No longer shall you gaze on it, lest your fancy think anon it moves. Let be, let be. Would I were dead, but that methinks already. What was he that did make it? See, my lord, would you not deem it breathed? And that those veins did verily bear blood. Masterly done, the very life seems warm upon her lip. The fixture of her eye has motion in it, as we are mocked with art. I'll draw the curtain. No. Uh, oh, sweet Paulina, let it alone. Still methinks there is an air comes from her. What fine chisel could ever yet cut breath? Let no man mock me, for I will kiss her. Good, my lord. Forbear, the ruddedness upon her lip is wet. You'll mar it if you kiss it. Stain your own with oily painting. Shall I draw the curtain? No, not in these twenty years. Either forbear, quit presently the chapel, or resolve you for more amazement. If you can behold it, I'll make the statue move indeed. Descend and take you by the hand. 
But then you'll think, which I protest against, I am assisted by wicked powers. What you can make her do, I am content to look on. What to speak, I am content to hear. For tis as easy to make her speak as move. It is required you do awake your faith. Then all stand still. Or those that think it is unlawful business I'm about, let them depart. Proceed, no foot shall stir. Tis time. Descend. Be stone no more. Approach. Start not. Nay, present your hand. Oh, she is warm. If this be magic, let it be an art lawful as eating. Please you to interpose, fair madam. Kneel and pray your mother's blessing. Turn, good lady, our Perdita is found. Your gods look down, and from your sacred vials pour graces upon my daughter's head. Tell me, mine own, where hast thou been preserved? Where lived? How found thy father's court? For thou shalt hear that I, knowing by Paulina that the oracle gave hope that thou wast in being, have preserved myself to see the issue. There's time enough for that, lest they desire upon this push to trouble your joys with like relation. Go together, you precious winners all. Your exultation partake to everyone. I, an old turtle, will wing me to some withered bough, and there my mate, that's never to be found again, lament till I am lost. Oh, peace, Paulina. Thou should a husband take by my consent, as I thine by a wife. This is a match and be made between by vows. Thou hast found mine, but how is to be questioned? For I saw her as I thought dead, and have in vain said many a pair upon her grave. I'll seek not far, for him I partly know his mind. To thee an honorable husband. Come, Camillo, take her by the hand whose worth and honesty is richly noted and here justified by us a pair of kings. Let's from this place. What, look upon my brother, both your pardons that ever I put between your holy looks, my ill suspicion. This your son-in-law and son unto the king, whom heaven's directing is troth plight to your daughter. Good Paulina, lead us from hence, where we may leisurely each one demand an answer to his part, performed in this wide gap of time since first we were dissevered. Hastily lead away. Some of you need to run off to another class, and others don't. Um, but those of you that can stay will do a talk back. Those of you that must leave, do what you need to do. Hi. Yeah. I do. Hi. Thanks for coming. I like how we all Paulina was not here for marriage. She was not here for it. I thought you meant like something like that part of you remember me. Yeah, I, I, was I just wanted to say hi. It's nice to see you.
with the chair. No, it's fine. Thank you. So thanks for hanging back. Um, and maybe one more time, we should go around and say what what you who, who you who you are and what you did on on the show. Starting over here. Oh, I'm Heidi, and I was um, Paulina and the gentleman. I'm Taylor. I was the dramaturg and wrote the abridged version of the show. I'm Katie. I played um, King Polixenes, the Lord and the Mariner. Mariner. <laughs> I'm Caitlin, and I played the shepherd and Prince Mamelius. I'm Emily. I played the shepherd's son and Antigonus. I'm Jacqueline. I played Perdita, time, officer, and servant. <laughs> I'm Wesley. I played Camillo and Cleomenes. I'm Sydney. I played Autolycus and Amelia. I'm Gabrielle, and I played Leontes. I'm Lily, and I played Queen Hermione and Prince Florizel. So we'd be happy to answer any questions about Shakespeare, about The Winter's Tale, about acting, about Michigan State. Anything come to mind? <laughs> yes. This was a class? No. Okay. No, this was a, this was a uh, what we call an initiative. So we do, um, we do different productions for different um, reasons. This is part of, uh, it's, a, it's a number of things. We have, um, it's part of kind of my, my research in a way. It's also an educational experience. Um, because we're getting people to perform Shakespeare. Um, and uh, we're also, as part of this, we're doing a, a, a series of podcasts. So the members of the cast are interviewing experts in Shakespeare about usually focusing on the winter's tale um, and publishing that as well. So yeah, it's not actually connected to a class. We've been rehearsing in the evenings for the last two weeks. So the audition? They were selected. <laughs> this is a curated group. <laughs> yeah. Yes? Um, how many times did you all do your own cast, like together? Um, once once or twice. Updated version? The updated version? Probably once or twice. We've done two weeks of rehearsals leading up to this. And it started with a lot of um, sitting around a table, kind of just talking out mm -hmm. loud, reading reading the entire script, which took us like three hours, three and a half hours. <laughs> and then we slowly would go through, and um, Taylor would cut it down to a version um, that was as short as this. And do you want to tell them what we're doing on Sunday? Yeah, we're performing at the Planetarium, and we're doing it this the same one, but a two-hour version. And it's going along with a star show at the Planetarium, which is really cool. So mm -hmm. if you want to come do Slanting on Sunday, it's at 5.30, and it's free. So, yeah. No money. Yeah. Why Winter's Tale? Like out of the you know the camp, who chose it? Why this one? You know. I guess that's my <laughs> my choice. I just I just love it. It's because it's such a weird play, right? It's not. I mean, it starts out kind of like a tragedy, and then. It becomes this weird comedy with shepherds and 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 thieving autolycus and and all and and then it becomes um, and then there's weddings and and so it's you know it's one of Shakespeare's later plays and it's called a romance but it mixes all of these different genres together and so I just I just love that and it keeps me on my toes. Also, the language is some of the most complex um, and the way that Shakespeare uses. Um, verse in this play is is really 
I mean, he's at the top of his game at this point in his career. And, and so if we're gonna spend two weeks just digging into it, I wanted it to be something that people generally don't know as well. It's not, it's not one of the more well-known shows. Um, and as far as I know, there haven't been any like movie versions or anything recently. Um, so I wanted to do something obscure, but also something that was just, just sort of meaty and interesting. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I'll answer that question um, because part of this is about. Um, so you saw there was very little staging. There were a couple of things, you know, we had the statue and things like that to help out. But the the main point of this is about hearing Shakespeare. Um, you know the expression, uh, going to hear a play, where we, you are an audience right now, audience audio, so that's where that comes from, that people started out going to hear a play for the most part, whereas people that watch television are called viewers. So we really wanted to focus on what people were hearing, and that's why we're, we're doing it like this, that's why we're doing it at the planetarium, so people can kind of watch a star show and not really focus on what the actors are doing. And then it allows the actors to play multiple parts and to, to create different characters with different voices and, and different, um, you know, a different take on that so that um, they have that opportunity to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you guys theater majors? Yes. 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 version so I was a narrator and so I spoke in contemporary language and said this is what's going on <laughs> and that's the only Shakespeare I've had so I did like a few scenes and classes like in acting classes and then that was about as much as I've done in my entire life other than that yeah I didn't have the only thing I just remember reading Romeo and Juliet my freshman year yeah, of high school and that's her. kind of the only experience I had with Shakespeare in high school yeah uh, in my sophomore year of high school, I played Helena in a Midsummer Night's Dream for our fall play, which was awesome. Good show. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question then for, for those of you that are mostly new to Shakespeare. Um, how, have, how, how has your opinion of Shakespeare or performing Shakespeare changed over the last two weeks of working on this? I think it's so cool. I really <laughs> do. Like, there's, you never stop finding things, finding new, like, hidden gems in the script. And you never, like, stop learning about, like, your character, like, does everything on purpose. And, like, learning, like, going through that and really digging into it um, is really cool. I don't know. I feel like a lot of contemporary scripts don't have that anymore. Um, for me, like, I read a lot of Shakespeare in high school for English and, like, AP Lang and stuff. And... There was always, I felt like there was a secret that I wasn't in on because it was always so confusing when we had to analyze it. I'm like, I don't know what this means, but it sounds fancy. And now I actually understand what it means. So yeah. that was really cool. <laughs> to go off of that, the kind of way that like 
I've been I've been describing this experience um, to like my other friends and things like that is that I've kind of found out that in Shakespeare there's almost like a puzzle and once you kind of figure it out you're like in on the secret you're like oh my gosh I know what's going on like it's like super exciting and I was um I was like kind of nervous for this experience I was like oh, I don't know about Shakespeare like I don't know if I can pull that off um, but it's just been super exciting and yeah it's fun to know Any other questions? <laughs> yes. Was it intentional for you to, I'm not sure if it was like for all of you to cast like an entire female group, or was it kind of You noticed? Does anyone want to answer that question? And do you want to take a stab at it? Um, so. I'm sure you're all familiar that during Shakespeare's time, all of his plays would have been performed by a cast of all men. So we wanted to do a new take on it with a cast of all women and show how our times have changed. Yeah, right. I mean, you have you had you had male actors playing females in in Shakespeare's time, and so the, those conventions are built into the script. Um, uh, the the gender bending is built into it, um, and there's there are actually a lot of really well-known good theater companies that are doing either all-female or all-male productions right now and just discovering what it does to the script and how the the meaning of things change um, so it's you know it's kind of a question of, of what happens um, and I you know I'd be curious to know what you think it, is it so we have you know Leontes who is this jealous tyrant who's a, you know a jerk by no offense <laughs> Um, but what what does it mean when those words are coming out of the mouth of someone that's that's not actually male? Does it does that change the meaning of it in any way? Does it make you think about it differently? Just sort of the questions that we were we were curious to ask with this. Yeah. Well, if there aren't any other questions, I want to say thank you so much for inviting us. It was a real pleasure to be here. Thank you.